Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello all again, and welcome to another Legends podcast on Anfield Index. My name is Joe Connors. I am the host of this show. I have two fantastic guests coming on today um, to talk about all things King Kenny, Kenny Dablish. My first guest, I hope I don't butcher your name, Jan, Jan Gorski Mercier, otherwise known as Fidzi on Twitter. How are you doing, pal? That's not, not bad, uh, Joe. That was close enough for rock and roll. Uh, doing okay, mate. Good, good, good. And my other guest is, you guys know him as Dave Hendrick. He is actually American. Don't be fooled by his Irish accent. <laughs> um, how you doing, Dave? I'm good. I'm good. I have to say, your pronunciation of Jan's surname is better than any attempt I've ever made. <laughs> this is true. Um, <laughs> one of one of the many reasons Gags doesn't normally allow me and, and Jan on podcasts is that I can't pronounce Jan's surname. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see how it's, it could be difficult, but I've heard I've heard Ray say it. Um, ah. Jan's better half. So, and I love I can listen to her all day. I know she's back there, and she knows I, I've told this to her before. That accent is just one of the sexiest things ever. No, sorry, yes, I, it is. I had to say it. <laughs> You know, um, it's fair enough. I felt the same first time I talked to her on the phone, which is before we ever met. Yeah, it's it's just it's a, it's a thing of beauty. So, <laughs> why don't we start talking about first topic? And um, Jan, I'll go to you first. Uh, you've seen this man play in person. I am oh, yes. obviously I am a little too young to have seen that, but everybody knows he played at Liverpool. Many probably don't know where he came from. Tell me about his time at Celtic. Well, he started Celtic very early on. But what a lot of people don't realise is that when he was around about 15, he also came to Liverpool for trials uh, hmm. and uh, sort of fell in love with the place then. So it was no great big surprise when he came back. Um, but, yeah, he started uh, at Celtic and signed his first contract in uh, May 1967 with uh, Jock Steen, of course, famous Celtic manager, uh, a man who quite literally uh, died in the dugout uh, when in charge of Scotland. Uh, he was the manager. Steen developed him beautifully, uh, urged him to carry on with his, um, his, his attacking instincts rather than trying to curb them. And uh, he was a great ball player as well, Kenny. You know, he had real good close skills. And uh, Steen, again, got him to develop these, working with Jimmy Johnston. Uh, many won't remember Jimmy Johnston, but he was he was known as the lamppost winger 
because he used to train as a kid by kicking a ball against the lamppost and seeing how quickly he could dribble round one. So uh, that's quite a nice thing. And he started his work in the uh, what they used to call the Quality Street Gang, which was the Celtic Reserves. And um, I think, if I'm right, he made his, uh, his debut in a Scottish League Cup game against Hamilton Academicals on uh, September 25th, 1968, which is obviously quite a long time ago now, long before most of our listeners, I dare say, were born. Uh, he was a substitute in that game, but uh, they won anyway, 4-2. He didn't score, <laughs> but uh, he, he did make one assist, as they say, these days. Not that anybody cared about such things back then. But, uh, yeah, he played at Celtic uh, from then until 77 when Liverpool signed him, playing mostly with the reserves for the next season. But he did score uh, four goals, which was... Not much of a start for him, but he was being played pretty much as a winger uh, on the reserve side. And he was only really moved into the middle when he uh, came on to the senior side. And his first league game was against Wraith Rovers, which Celtic won 7-1. Again, he made three in that, but didn't score himself. But that didn't, you know, that sort of drought didn't last much longer. And... um, it was in the next season that he really made his breakthrough. And, you know, it's a, I think the other thing that's worth getting across here, which uh, a lot of people who've seen, um, you know, Scottish football, the SPL, whatever, mm-hmm. won't, rea- won't realise is that Scottish football was a hell of a lot more classy and European-wise competitive back then than it is now. There's hardly, you know, you, you can hardly make the connection as it being the same game. Um, Scottish teams were quite often in European finals. Uh, Celtic were in two, uh, almost almost back to back, but not quite. Uh, but they were always there or thereabout. Rangers were always on the scene there or thereabouts, and uh, Aberdeen and one or two others. Dundee United and uh, who was the other ones I was thinking of? Uh, St Johnston. They they were quite good. Hibernian also were up there. So it was actually a far more competitive, higher class league than it is now. So, so a yeah. lot different than uh, Brendan just running the table now. That's it was oh, obviously well, a much more competitive it's league. A, then, it's yeah. Almost, yeah, it's almost a joke now by comparison. Yeah, I mean, really you talk is. to a lot of Scottish fans now and they'll just say, you know, it's at the moment, it's a one horse race. Maybe if Rangers get their act together a bit more next season, you know, and so on and so forth, or Aberdeen can step up a bit, it might become a two-horse race or maybe a one-and-three-quarter-horse race. But really, it's, it doesn't take tremendous management skills to uh, win the Scottish League at the moment if you're manager of Celtic. Yeah, it so, seems no, that way. Yeah, no great shakes, really, in that respect. And of course, he moved to, to Liverpool in 77 for what was then a record transfer fee, not for very long, it has to be said, of uh, 440000 which uh, I did a little research earlier. With inflation, if you, ta- if you knock that up to today's prices, that would be 2465000 So he would, he would still be, today, the price of a half-decent reserve, which is yeah. a bit crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, so that, that is a bit crazy. That's still that's a hell of a lot of money for 1977, though. So it was, but before before that season was out, it had been broken three times anyway, and yeah. it ended with um, Trevor Francis going as supposedly the first million pound player, but it was slightly less than that apparently because uh, Clough didn't want him. Uh, of course, it was Nottingham Forest he went to where Clough was the manager. Clough didn't want it to go to his head. Ah. Uh. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. He's a crazy bastard, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, Dave, tell me about, since we're talking, he's at Liverpool now. He He's there in 77. And, again, I, I wasn't born in 77. I was born in 81. So I can read all the books, all the magazines, all the sites I want to. But it's not really going to mean much. Tell me about his time at Liverpool. Well, I wasn't born then either. So, it, it again, it's before my time. <laughs> yeah. I'm I I go my dad lifelong Liverpool fan and See, that's know, that's lot, the difference right there right a there lot you of have friends a dad as well but I mean you have to remember there was so much pressure on Kenny coming in because not only was he replaced was he coming in for a record fee he was replacing our best player he was replacing Kevin Keegan who would go on to become a two-time European footballer of the year um so he, he came in with massive pressure now if a player came from Celtic today to replace, say, Phil Coutinho, um, I think that pressure would probably buckle them. But as Jan said, Celtic at the time were playing in a, a good a good division in Scotland. They were always in Europe, so they played the elite team. So Kenny came in from an enormous club where he was used to high-pressure stake, and he just settled in pretty much flawlessly. His his game just lent, lent itself really well to the English style. And, I mean, you saw year one... He scored 20 in the league and I think 31 or 32 in, in all comps. 31, yeah. 31 in all you know, comps. Like, wow. if, we, if we got that now, if we bought a striker now and they scored 20 in the league and 31 in, in all competitions, we'd be over the moon. Like, you know, if we bought Lacazette this summer and he sure. did that, we'd be over the moon. So you can imagine back then Kenny coming in and, and doing this. And this is a guy who was a you know a regular scorer for Celtic I think just looking at his numbers here you know his his six seasons as you know first choice for Celtic 23 41 24 21 32 and 26 in all competitions and he yeah. was, and he was used to playing a lot of games he was always playing you know 48 to 56 games comes to Liverpool and he just carries on and he does that Kenny scored 20 goals in 12 straight seasons and he played 48 or more goal games in 14 straight seasons. And when you factor in that they didn't have the medical treatment we have now, they don't have, they didn't have the dietary stuff. No, it's incredible, now. isn't it, when you think about it? You know, the, 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 and he's, just, the and he's a small so, guy. Yeah, the five seven, five eight. Um, and here's the thing. Here's the thing too, Dave. In that first season, he played 61 games, mm. and he only ever did that once again for the rest of his time in Liverpool. Only played 61 again, I think, in 81, 82. Uh, the rest, it's still put in the 50s until you know uh, the mid 80s when he when he became player, player manager. Yeah, 85, amazing. Was the first season that he yeah. didn't play 50 games. He played 29, but of course, and and the thing is, he only scored five goals that year but the thing to take into account is that he scored the biggest goal of the season he scored that goal he did, at Chelsea yeah. uh, he, he just he was a big game player who also turned up in the small games and he was like very similar to Keegan in terms of his build and skill level but a different type of player 
Keegan was a little bit more physical. Kenny was a little bit more finesse. Better first yes. touch, more refined game. Keegan was a real playground kind of player. A yes, guy you could tell learned to play on the streets. And he came to Liverpool, obviously, Kevin Keegan, as a raw player. We bought him out from Scunthorpe for, you know, pennies. And we developed him in-house. Kenny came in as more or less the finished product. We we knew what we were getting. We were getting a top-end player. And he just, from the minute he came to Liverpool, I mean, to replace Kevin Keegan and replicate what Keegan had done would have been one thing. But Kenny took it to a different level. Kenny yeah. became the best player in our history. And for me, still the best player in our history. And it's not yeah. like he did that when we hadn't had anyone else. We had Billy Little, who, if you ask people that saw football in the 40s or you read anything about football in the 40s, Billy Little was the best player in England through the 40s and 50s. He was at the tail end of his career when Shanks took over. But Little was a truly special player. And Kenny obviously played with, with Alan Hansen. He played with uh, Graham Souness. He bought John Barnes. He was... You know, he, he was surrounded by, by greatness and he still had that level just slightly above what everybody else could produce. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and the success just, just shows that. I mean, look, look at what we won with Kenny, forgetting Kenny as the manager. Look at what we won with Kenny as a player. League titles galore. Yeah. Six, Euro- six division titles, one six, FA six, Cup and three European Cups. Three European Cups. Do you guys, for BOC, do you find it weird, and it's an individual award, why he never won a Ballon d'Or? Ever? Weird, yes. uh, Because I've I've no great faith in the Ballon d'Or, because uh, for a long, long, long time, it's been as much about a popularity contest as it has about what that player is. Um, And, you know, you get the same candidates come up every time it was not really that different back then uh, regardless of what kind of season they'd had regardless of how many games they'd played uh, they put in one good performance in the season they'd be on the door list because you know who they are mm-hmm. and uh, I do think it was odd that Kenny never got it uh, the same reason same way I, I felt it was odd Rush never got it yeah. Um it's just mad, really. But, you know, that's the way those things go. It's one of the reasons I don't get, pay them an awful lot of attention. I think, didn't Michael Owen get it? Michael Owen won it in 2001. Yeah. yeah. What, what's always yeah, made me laugh is, is when you look at the two seasons after Kenny arrived at Liverpool, mm. Kevin Keegan was European Footballer of the Year, 1978 yeah. and 1979. Just to give you Keegan's numbers for those years, 70, 77, 78, that first season he was away, he played 25 league games. He scored six goals. And he had uh, 12 and 33 in all competitions. Yeah. The following year, he had 17 in 35 in all comps. And all 17 of them came in the league. But when you look at what Kenny did, Kenny yes. had 31 and 61 and 25 in 54. Kenny won major honours in those years. You know? Yeah, um, exactly. Keegan, Keegan didn't. Uh, Kenny won, you know, league titles in in both years. I'm oh, sorry, in the in the second mm. year, and he won the European Cup in the first year. So how anybody could look at it and think, oh well, Keegan's had a better season than Kenny? When it needs to be made clear that 
English league was the best in the world at that time. From it was from from seventy five to eighty five. You put any league well, you want up against it. The English league, was the, the, the English team, yeah, they they dominated Europe yeah. in that time. Whether it was us, Nottingham Forest, or Aston Villa, mm-hmm. they dominated yeah. Europe. But uh, we didn't get many balloon doors out of it. And I think that's always sort of been the charm of Liverpool, though, is that it's always been more about the team. And, and Paisley was like. If Paisley had gone out and, and said publicly, Kenny should win this award or that award, he possibly would have won the awards, but it would have been against sort of the, the fabric and the culture of the club, where yes. it was all about the team and the focus on the team. And Rogers, to his credit, tried to bring that back in. He tried to make it about the group, as he called it. But it clearly wasn't. It was clearly about Suarez. It was clearly about Gerard. Yeah. It was about the individuals. You know, it was Gerard less so. Mostly Suarez, a bit of Sturridge, um, a little bit of Raheem Sterling. It was about the individuals. And whereas when we had that that incredible team in the late seventies and early eighties, we had world class players. I mean, we had Clemens, then we had Grobelar, we had uh, Hansen and Lawrenson, then we had Hansen and Thompson. We had, or maybe vice versa, vice versa, vice, yeah, vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. Um, Hanson, Hanson Thompson, then Hanson Lawrenson. We had Sunes and Terry Mack in midfield, and we had Kenny and you know Toshak then Rush. Um, we had, and, and in between them, Dave, you've got McDermott, Ray Kennedy, Jimmy Case. And you know the Nick player when I when I when I was watching around that time, you know the player who used to get booed most. Now people go, oh Christ, not him, Alan Kennedy, yeah. the man who scored winning wow. goals two European the Cup European finals. finals. <laughs> you know, so that, that, a man a man who was also once banned from attending games in Anfield by Gerard Houllier for criticising him in the press. Um, yes, one of Jed's less good moments. But like we just had, we had quality throughout the team. We had Phil Neal at right back. Four yeah. European Cups that man won. Um, you know, Stevie Nichol came through. Uh, we just had, we had quality from start or from, from back to front. We were yeah. about the team. We did have the standout players. If you look at that team, the three standout players were Kenny, Sunes and Hansen. And, you know, the fact, like, again, you, Jan was mentioning how strong Scottish football was. Those were all Scottish lads. Now, Sunes never exactly. played in the Scottish League until he went to Rangers and was player manager there. But Hansen came through a part of Thistle, um, and obviously Kenny at Celtic. This, the Scottish League was very, very good at, at that point. Not like what it is now, where it's kind of one Premier League team in amongst a bunch of League One teams. It was a yeah. good, legitimate league back then. And Kenny had excelled in that league. And then he came to Liverpool, and he just excelled. He was the best player in the league. And he propelled us to... 13, 14 years of just incredible success. We'd had success before he arrived, of course. We'd won some titles. Um, we'd won a European Cup. But what Kenny did when he arrived was just off the charts. Okay, so again, we talked about his honours, the six division titles, one FA Cup, four League Cups, seven Charity Shields for however you feel about that, three European Cups. And so I, I, think, I think five milk cups as well. Mm. Yeah. As they yeah. were, yeah. Yes, yeah. So I phrase, I'll phrase the question a different way, because I think if I phrase it one way, you guys will say yes, 100%. So I know we have time issues here. So is he, is he the most talented player to ever play 
at Liverpool. Not the best, but is he the, is he the most talented player? You have to define, define your terms and uh, what you mean by talented there, I think. Okay. All right, so I won't say best because obviously the honors, yeah. nobody can match that. So that's you would automatically yeah. say best. So on a, fo- on a football pitch, was he the scariest opposition the LFC's ever had? Was he, and I don't mean scary like afraid of, like uh, you don't want to play against type of thing. I, I no. would put him third. For me, yeah. third? I, I, wow. I, I would say Suarez won. Okay. Yes, Bar- I would too. two. Really? And Kenny three. And and the reason is that like Kenny's the greatest player in our history, I believe. But I do think in ter- I think Suarez is the best player we've ever had in terms of what his highest level is. Louis Suarez is one of the two or three best players in the world. Yeah. I'm not sure Kenny ever was in that two or top two or three in the world. I think he was definitely top ten. Maybe you know he was. He was. He was voted greatest player in the world by a collection of European managers. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go, then. But, but, like, just in terms of, like, Kenny was surrounded by good players, and he was great, and he made them better. Suarez was surrounded by yes. mediocrity, and he made them all incredible. Um, yeah. Barnes had that similar transcendent ability, and Barnes, again, played in a fantastic team. Gerard would come in fourth for me on that list. I, he's also the, you know, I think he's the third greatest player we've ever had behind Kenny and Barnes. Suarez just doesn't have that longevity. But in terms of the best individual, I, I would say Suarez above Barnes, above Kenny. But I like that's just my, my view on it. A lot of people will say it's Barnes first. Some will say sure. it's Gerrard first. So, some older people, you know, in the 80s and that, that saw Billy Little, they'll say it was Billy Little. And that's fine. It's all about the different eras that we've experienced. Like, yes, it is. You know... Barnes, unfortunately, he he only had a couple of years with Kenny as manager, and then Souness arrived and sort of screwed the tail end of Barnes' Liverpool career, plus the injury he had, which was, you know, a horrific injury to get at the time, the torn Achilles. Um, yeah. Kenny yeah, was just, but Kenny has the longevity, not obviously as long as Gerrard, but, you know, eight, eight years have been phenomenal, really. And even when his goal output dropped, in the last season, where the last two seasons where he was a regular starter before he became manager, his assist numbers, his creativity, everything else sort of picked up. And a lot of times, like, people always say, oh, well, it was Rush up front and Kenny just off. And that is, that is true. That is fundamentally how they played. But if you watch a lot of the older games, you'll often see Kenny up front as the striker holding the ball up and Rush making a run from deeper off him because Rush had that pace and Kenny was so strong. He just stick his arse into the centre back, hold the ball up. And Ken, he was Kenny's to, magic arse. Yeah, yeah. Kenny, Kenny's magic arse. <laughs> it's, it's true. And he was able to just swivel and play a pass in one in one you know swift movement. And Kenny was just Kenny could have been a winger if if Kenny wanted to. He didn't have the pace, but he had the ability. Kenny could have played central midfield. You know, he, he just he was able to be and he did. He played those positions in games for us. He was able to patch in and play wherever he was needed, but if you wanted to get the best out of him, you put him up front with a striker like Ian Rush, who had that blinding pace, and you know, the two of them together must have been an absolute terror to play against, because not only were they brilliant on the ball, we hear all the talk about pressing and all of this now, those two lads ran themselves into the ground, Ian Rush was famously described as Liverpool's best defender exactly, in the first line of defence by Bob Paisley um, 
Kenny was no was no slouch in that regard either. And again, like a lot of that is the fabric of where Kenny came through. He came through at Celtic, where Jockstein just didn't allow anything else. You didn't come through at Celtic as some sort of fancy boy who wasn't into the hard graft. You came through at Celtic, you, you knew where your bread was buttered, and you understood that the opposition aren't just going to give you the ball back. You've got to go and get it back. And, you know, we, we, we talk about Kenny and what he did. Like I said earlier, like different medical treatment, different diet, you know, the travel was was a farce at the time, the way they used to travel to yeah. different games. Um, sure, yeah. The, the, the rules were totally different. Like, Kenny was a small guy and big, clumsy centre-backs used to come through the back of his heels five, six times a week. And he just yep. got up and got on with it. The pitches were a disgrace. You know, what we call a disgrace. Now, you wouldn't play on the pitches now. Like, you wouldn't have... No. You wouldn't see those pitches at Sunday League level now. Um, the football itself weighed an absolute ton. If it got wet, you, you'd break your foot kicking it. And he was able to do those things then in that era, you know. Um, whereas, and that's, when we were naming great Liverpool players earlier on, sorry, I, mean, I forgot Tommy Smith, who was just yeah, the, yeah. the tail end yeah. when Kenny came in. But I mean, another a legend of the club. Um, I'm, I won't, I'm far more skillful than he's ever given credit for yeah, as well, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, no question. And Ian Callaghan, while we're at it, Ian Callaghan, of course. You know, mm. I mean, just to, to sidetrack a little bit, like. The idea of having Tommy Smith and Graham Souness in the team, as I think we did for about a season back then, yeah. imagine having that now as the spine. Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's like having for for those who don't know, it's a bit like having say a Roy Keane in midfield and an Emmanuel Vidic at the back. You know, just two big bullies, or, or you know, Carlos Puyol actually is probably a better comparison for Tommy Smith. Um, oh, G- Gentile! <laughs> yeah, an animal, an animal. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, the, the, this was the era they played, and we had those guys, those two lads who, great footballers, but weren't weren't afraid to break someone's jaw if that's what it took. And we weren't the only team that had them. Leeds had them, Chelsea had them. Every club had a, yeah. one or two guys like that. That's the era that was. And Kenny was, was doing what he was doing in that era. If Kenny yeah. played now, if Kenny came into Liverpool now at 22, 23, 24... Um, or what was he, 26, I think, when he arrived, um, yeah. and, and saw, saw the league as it is, is Kenny score 40 goals in this league? Because yeah, no it, question. it's just so in favour of attackers now. Can't yes. touch an attacker and it's a free kick. So exactly. to do it then is so much more impressive than to do it now, for me anyway. I know we, you know, we hear about all the pace of the game, all this horseshit like, Great players are great players, and you take that team we had from 77 to 84 when Sunes left, and you put that team in the game now, and they'd wipe the floor with everybody because yes, they, they would. They they were just so much more physical, but they had the technical ability. And the stories that Liverpool are legendary about, you know, they barely trained. They they did some running, played five aside, did a bit more running, played five aside. Um, Medicals back then, literally. I, I was just I was reading the other day about John Wark's medical at Liverpool. Um, <laughs> the doctor walked in. Wark said he could smell the booze on his breath. He asked him to blow into something uh, to check his lung capacity, which most likely He checked his blood pressure and he had him bend down and touch his toes. And then he said, "That's it. That's the medical past." <laughs> and, that, and that's how the club were. That's what the club were. We. We allowed players to just 
go out and play. We didn't worry about anything else. I mean, the famous Joe Fagan story before the the 84 European Cup final, where he walks in to give his team talk and he starts mumbling to himself, yeah, Roma are a good team, Roma are a good team. But they're probably not as good as us. Right, lads, the bus is at at half five, don't be late. And that's his team talk because we didn't need to worry. We had these incredibly gifted players who all played for the team, who cared more about the crest on the shirt than anything else. And Kenny was, in so many ways, just the leader of all of that. Kenny was the one that set that example, along with Sooness and Hansen. The other lads looked at them and said, well, they're three of the best players in the world. And they're all just about the team and, and you know, doing everything it takes to win. And follow yeah. suit. And, and Kenny, as a manager, instilled that in his teams as well. You look at that team he built in 88. Um, they all played for the shirt. Now it's all about the name on the back of the jersey. Back then it was the crest on the front. And that's the way it should be. And that's, it, was all, that's it, was, a... it was also about uh, then... Uh, Basically, if you went into a manager's office then and said, I'd like an extra X amount per month, otherwise I'm, I'm going to find another club, you'd have been finding another club whether you liked it or not. It would have been that simple. Uh, the money has made a massive difference. But uh, just going back to Dave's one, I'd put Kenny at fourth, not third. Uh, yeah. this, this is an age thing. <laughs> because no, I, 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 that surprises me. I would love to hear you keep I, going. I'd have um, Barnes... Probably no Suarez first, then Barnes, then Roger Hunt, then Kenny, in terms of uh, actual skills. But the difference with Kenny was uh, that he was of a very high level, but was incredibly consistent for a very long time, and that's what makes him the greatest. And and for people listening to this, I'm I'm glad we. Well, I'm not we. I'm not doing a damn thing. Um, I'm glad that these guys are actually talking about other names because, we, like we said earlier, there's a lot of young people who listen to these podcasts and don't know the names of these players. Do yourself the favor and Google them. Learn what the club's about. It's just you have to know these these players. These guys are talking about. Even if you if you just heard the name, don't act like you know like you, you know anything about Graham Sooners. Do. Do your duty and find out how great these players actually were that these guys are talking about. So on a Kenny Daglish podcast, it's I do want to talk about his managerial career, but I, I think it's not doing mine and our due diligence to not bring up Hillsborough and the role he played. Um, so I don't want to ask a specific question. I just want you guys to talk about Hillsborough, Kenny, and if you want to, you can feel free to drop any kind of managerial quotes in there, whatever you guys want to do. I'll, I'll let Yang go first on this one. Well, unlike Paul Nuttall, I really was at Hillsborough, and um, it was a grim day, to say the least. I can remember, just on the day itself, I can remember somebody, I couldn't see who, but somebody with a deep sort of scouse docker's voice shouting to Grobelar and um, to Hansen, who were the nearest at the time, that you know people were dying in here. And it, it still took you know, 10, 15 minutes before anybody seemed to, other than where it was going on, and the crowd immediately around it. I wasn't actually in the Leppings Lane end. I was on the corner of the stand next to it. And uh, it took 10, 15 minutes before anybody outside of that area had any clue what was going on. It fucking horrible day, basically. But um, to go to the aftermath, 
you can only describe this is again it only adds to his legend as a man not as a player necessarily on this but um kenny's behavior was practically impeccable beyond impeccable he refused to talk to the son when they wanted to talk to him he basically said to them you know are you going to issue a retraction and uh, when they said no they said well we've nothing to talk about then put the phone down on them uh but he went i think i'm right in saying is he went to just about every funeral in most cases, Hansen went with him, other team members went with him, but Kenny was the consistent factor, and it took a massive toll on him emotionally. Um, you've got to remember that not only was he the manager of the club at the time, and still nominally a player, but this was this was his, li- his living beyond his way of earning money. This was the game he loved. This was this was what carried him in life. This this game, and seeing this all happening, ninety six dead people, as a result of the game, if you like, no, no matter the actual factors that ended up in the you know the police mess and everything, but these people had gone to see a football match, and were, were not going home. That had an enormous effect on him. It attacked his way of life effectively. This thing, and. When he did, eventually, after that uh, draw, I think with Everton it was, he jacked it in. I was gutted, but I wasn't surprised. But his conduct during the whole of that, meanwhile, still trying to keep everything going, and still, you know, they still went on, and the whole team were welded together, uh, mostly by Kenny, and went on and won the FA Cup for the fans that year. It was it was quite something. It was a, almost a surreal. You know, if if you were a Liverpool fan and you'd been there, it was almost a surreal episode for the next two or three years before the real horror of the fact that uh, the government, the police, and everybody else were doing their damnedest not to tell the truth before that horror set in. Especially if you were one who was involved in a peripheral way, but you didn't have an immediate member of your family involved in it. It was like watching a car crash in slow motion in that respect. And you just thought, no, 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 please, no. And Kenny suffered hugely from that. And I don't know, I don't know else, how else to add to this except to say you could, if you're a psychologist probably make an argument that he became welded for life to this club during that time. It became the whole thing, the city, the club, everything became a big part of who he was. But he had to walk away for a while. He had to have a breath. And it was uh, it was old sods like me who really celebrated when he came back. If he, if he hadn't have even come back, you know, and eventually been manager again for a little while and even won a trophy... If he hadn't come back for that, he'd just come back to be president of the board or whatever, we would have still celebrated because he was one of us. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Jan mentioned the funerals and, uh, you know, he went to four in one day and things like that. And I mean, Yeah, exactly. The toll that has to have taken on him personally. Dave, can I just add also, and on Marina, because she yeah. deserves credit that she doesn't get for this. Uh, you won't find um, a more graceful person in any way connected to football than Marina Dalglish. I mean, the woman is phenomenal. 
And She's great. What she has done with her life, using the kind of the not Kenny has set a platform for them where she has a profile or sorry, she had a profile initially because of who her husband was. And she used that profile to do charity work for cancer research, you know, to set set up things that really help people. Others use it for varying things. What she did was she used it for the most positive way possible. And as a couple, they deserve incredible credit. And there's three things about Kenny we could talk about. We can talk about the player. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. We can talk about the manager. Incredible. But the man is is really what we should talk about here. And Kenny exactly. the man it isn't something that we've really seen pre-Hillsborough. Because Maybe Jan had maybe people around the city, but you know, pre-internet, pre-all the rest, pre-Premier League and Sky and all that kind of crap, you didn't have the same insight into who people were away from the game as we do now. And it was during that kind of Hillsborough aftermath that Kenny's just the human element of of who he is yeah. and how much he cares about people really came to the fore. And we we sit here, you know. 26 years after he left the first time round and we laud him and if he'd never come back as manager we'd still laud him and yeah. obviously when he came back as manager he won a cup but it, the league obviously was poor but you know it didn't really matter it was just the fact that it was Kenny back in Liverpool and that's really all that anybody cared about he'd been away from the club for far too long it was timed you know for him to come back into the fold and it's one of the best things FSG have ever done is to bring Kenny back and have him involved in, in the club in any capacity. But I mean, Kenny, Kenny votes conservative. That's well known. That's not me saying something speculating. Kenny is a conservative voter. So it was the government that Kenny had voted for who were in charge. So imagine that side of things as well. I mean, that's going to really make you question your core beliefs. And things like that, and the fabric of the city was pulled away when the ninety six people died. But Kenny was a big part in instilling it back into the city. And this, this, you know, the whole scouts not English thing. You can look at that a number of ways. But I've always looked at like, you know, the rest of England may not want us, but we're here and we're going to be us, and we're just going to yeah. do things our way. And you, you may try and kill us off. But you're going to lose. We will not do anything you want us to do without fighting our corner first. And Kenny was a big part of that. The way he opened himself up to the public, going to the funerals, meeting people, you know, meeting with other groups of fans who've been affected by the tragedy. But he never really spoke publicly about it. And I always thought that was the one really important thing, was he never went out in the press and spoke about it. He kept his thoughts to himself. And I think it was like the late 2000s before Kenny really opened up publicly about it. And you could tell even then, like it must have been, what, 20 years? It was 20 years or so after. Like it might have been 2008, 2009, around that time. You could tell it was still something he carried with him. And still something that, you know, had was having this massive effect on his, on his day-to-day life. Because... You know, if you saw someone get hit by a car or you were in an area and someone got hit by a car and you kind of saw the aftermath of it, that would have an effect on you and how you live your life. Now imagine 
you see 96 people, you know, die in the most horrible way possible, that's going to have an effect. And it's the same for people like Jan or, you know, I've spoken to Tony Evans and a few other people that were at Hillsborough. And it, it, it's something that's never going to leave you. And when you're the no. manager of the club involved and you've given everything you can to the game and you voted for the government that are in charge, that's going to snowball and have an enormous effect. And what Kenny's been able to just to do with his life in terms of, you know, his charity work, the work he does with Marina's Foundation, the work he does just for, you know, the normal Joe Soap on the street, it's just, it, it's absolutely mind-blowing how much that man, what a, what a selfless man he is, how much of himself he's given up for, you know, to, to help other people. It really, it, it's Kenny the man that I love more than Kenny the manager or Kenny the player. Um, because I'm too young to have seen Kenny the player. I'm kind of, I'm, I remember his last couple of seasons as manager the first time round. Obviously, I saw him as manager the second time round. But it's Kenny the man that I kind of got to know. And when he was away from Liverpool, I actually I met him twice. I met him when he was manager of Celtic. And I met him on a, in Spain one time, just randomly walking down the street. And he takes time to stop and talk to you. He could have just... Yeah, he I, does. I asked him for an autograph. And he could have just signed it, like scribbled his name and walked on. And I would have been absolutely delighted. But he took time to stop and talk to me. I was 14, maybe, when, when I met him when he was in, in Spain. And he just he stood and talked to me for five minutes. And it was like the best five minutes of my life. I met him then when he was manager of Celtic. And uh, I, I told him the story. Now, he didn't remember me, obviously, because he meets... Thousands of people a year, but you know, he stood and he talked to me for 15 minutes in Celtic Park and was just talking about Liverpool and talking about, you know, how the Liverpool team was at the time and talking about Celtic and stuff. And he's just, he's just that kind of person. Like, you meet Sunes and Sunes is a little bit less, he's a bit more standoffish. You he's know, leery. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Hansen's a very personable person. You can meet Hansen and have a chat. You, but he, but he's never going to kind of open up in, on his real ideas on things. You can meet Kenny; they'll talk to you about anything. You can ask Kenny his thoughts on the color of paint on your wall, and Kenny will have a chat with you about the color of paint on your wall because that's the type of person he is. And I think post Hillsborough that kind of molded him into the man he he became in his kind of post Liverpool life. Also changed his voting habits. Exactly, exactly, and and that's that's a huge thing. Like a lifelong conservative moving away from the Conservative Party, that that just shows, you know, the type of man he is. He, he was big enough to understand, to, to realise, look, the people I put in, I, I, I didn't put in power, but the people I voted for to give power, they're not good for this country. They're not good for for, for the people. Um, and the greatest thing for me about Kenny is, we've heard all for 20 years, and he should be, in terms of the knighthoods, Kenny should be Sir Kenny Dogleish. If Alex Ferguson is a Sir... Kenny Dalglish should be a sir, not just for service point. to the game, but for his services to life, to, to mankind. Kenny Dalglish has no more interest in getting a knighthood and meeting any of those people than he has at bungee jumping. You know, he just doesn't want it. And when uh, was it Steve? Which which one of the politicians came out and said he was going to put in an, uh, a Steve Rotherham? Yeah. yeah, was going to put in a submission to get Kenny considered for a knighthood. Kenny never said anything publicly. But the rumours that came out where Kenny had said, look, I don't want to even be considered. And yeah. that, for me, speaks volumes about him. And again, that's something that's in the fabric of our club. 
if you want to talk about services to football, how on earth did Bob Paisley and Joe Fagan and Ronnie Moran not win night hunts? Because yeah. they didn't want yeah, it, a... because they never petitioned. You know, the likes of Ferguson had people petitioning on their behalf. Our lads, that's not what we do as a club. It's not the fabric of no. the club. And, it, you know, the club is an extension of the city. The, the city of Liverpool shapes the football club of Liverpool and to a lesser extent the club of Everton. Everything with Everton is obviously lesser, but um, <laughs> I always slightly have Welsh. To, I always have, have to get, get a take in. You know, the way I look at Jan is Liverpool are the Irish club of Liverpool, and Everton, oh, yeah. are the, Everton are the Welsh club, and obviously Irish are vastly superior to the Welsh people. Hi, Jason, Robert. <laughs> hi, Jim Fishlock. Um, but you know, <laughs> um, and hi, Daniel Rose. Even though you're not Welsh, you live in Wales. <laughs> we're just, we're just so, like that for me, like that's just the fabric of our club, and that's something Kenny bought into, you know, lock, stock, and barrel when he arrived, and his family bought into it. You know, Paul came through the academy, um, didn't have obviously the greatest career, but you know, worked out a decent career for him. Now, very highly thought of as a manager here in in, in North America, he's manager of the and, and, and a very nice guy too. A nice guy. We've had him on podcast before. Yeah, we have. Obviously, um, the daughter's gone on to have great success as a sports presenter. I think their other daughter just doesn't have a kind of a public job, but you know, I follow her on Twitter and she seems like a great. And, and the great thing about the Dog Leash family are all on Twitter, and they're all hilarious, and they all just yeah. take the piss out of each other, and they gang up on Kenny because. He like goes to sleep at like nine o'clock and things like that. <laughs> and it, you know, it's it's just fun. They're a fun group of people, and that's really what it is about Kenny. He's just he's such a nice human being, <coughs> and what a player he was. Yeah, I think yeah, Dave right. makes that makes a valuable point there. As much as being an outstanding player and a, an outstanding manager, is he's an outstanding person. And I think if you roll the three of those together, that's the stuff that real legends are made of. Yeah, that's a great point. And I don't, I don't know if you get that nowadays, though, those three combined. Yeah, that, that's Not really so much. Point. Yeah, Not so, so much. Before I let you guys go, I like to do this in every show. It's a quiz. Um, oh, <laughs> you guys can do it however you want to. You can team up. <coughs> you can go against each other. Or basically whoever answers first gets the point. So my first question is he came in. To Liverpool in 77, inherited the number seven shirt from Kevin Keegan. But where did Kevin Keegan go? Where, what club did. Say that again? Hamburg. Hamburg. Yep, yeah, yeah. I thought Sports you guys would have gotten Hamburg. that pretty easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what What is Kenny's middle name? Matteson. Oh. Wow, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a, right it's on point. a great name, though, isn't it? It is. That's, <laughs> I had he could have been a Viking like, with that name. You don't see that often. <laughs> What was the total number of appearance of appearances for Liverpool? Total. Total number was um, five hundred and two. Okay, Dave, you want to guess this? Uh, I'll say five hundred and three, in the hopes it's more than that, and I'm closest. <laughs> now I have. Now you guys might be oh, right, but uh, the number I have is five fifteen. Ah, uh, well, could so, be either. My no- okay. my notes say five hundred and two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which club did he debut against? For El- when, he, when he was with Liverpool, first game, who did he debut against? No idea. Oh, hang on, I'll have a think about that. Um, I do know. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little hint. It was in the Charity Shield. Oh, 77, 76, United. Yes, Manchester United. There you go. 
There you go. Who, which club did he score his first goal against at Anfield? Oh, blimey. Uh, I was up there for that as well. Ah, oh, God. First goal was against Burrow. Yes, but away. not... Yes, that, that was, was away. away, yeah. His first goal at Anfield. Chelsea? If you need hints, not Chelsea. Uh, uh, no, let, let me think a bit longer. Sure, take your time. Uh, Are you talking league goals, yeah? League goals, yes. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle. Yeah, bam, there it is. Newcastle. That is correct. And I have one more. Who did he score his final goal against? Oh, fuck. Liverpool, Liverpool, I should say. So we're not confused. Obviously, he yeah. played for them after. But what team did he score? Not against Forest. Bam. Yep, there it is. So we won, I, next we won time, that one, didn't we? We won that yeah, one, I think. Yeah, I think you guys, usually I don't get that many good answers. And I laugh at people afterwards, but I might <laughs> have to laugh at myself now. <laughs> so, so before you guys go, um, you guys have any plugs? Dave, I'll start with you first because I know you're doing a lot of potting now. I am. I'm back. I had a six-month sabbatical. Might have been more than that, I don't know. But I'm back. Um, yes, I have two podcasts coming out this week, as well as this one. Um, I have Carl Matchett coming on to talk about Liverpool's Premier League targets and La Liga targets. And I have Chris Williams uh, from Football Grad coming on to talk about Naby Keita and other Bundesliga targets. So, yeah, they'll both be out this week. Um, I'm not sure what day. One of them might be out before you listen to this one. Um, it's okay. all dependent on, on the podfather and, and what way he schedules things. But, um, yeah, those are my two. Yeah, what about you? Everybody knows you have one of the best podcasts out there, which is actually, if people don't know, is well, you could probably guess, it but it's incredibly the best hard to do. podcast <laughs> you will ever hear. It is beyond the quality of anything anybody else is doing on any spectrum, anywhere. Jumpers for goalposts. Yeah. The City and Club series is absolutely incredible. It's Dave a book is on very audio. kind. No, it's, it's one of the I, actually a book on audio is, is the is the sort of approach I took, sort of radio documentary type thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, there will be uh, there will be another one in the not too distant future. I can't give you a date because it will be after the house move. Most most people who follow me on Twitter by now know that uh, me and Ray are moving house sometime this month. We're in France, so it's slightly different than the way you do it in the UK. Is there's a cooling off period and then you have to do allow for the local uh, commune to do the what they would call in English the searches and blah 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 we're nearly at the end of that period now and when that's done we sign then we move and so I would think sometime in July (laughs) I can't be any more precise if you feel too happy in yourself follow (sighs) at Fizzy go through his media (laughs) find the pictures of the house him and Ray are buying and just be really, really jealous. And yeah, remember not that not only is the house incredible, but it's in France. The weather's gorgeous. And these two And it's right in the middle of wine country. Yeah. You nice. know. Which is which is good for two piss heads like Yan and Ray. Oh god yes. <laughs> <laughs> also we All should right, plug okay. the Liver Birds podcast since we've mentioned Ray about three times. Yeah, we have, so we yes. have to, we do have to give her uh, the missus a plug for her live Please, Birds please podcast. do. Yeah, if you just listen to it for her sexy voice, that's all you really need. So sexiest voice on podcasts. Yeah, I would have to agree. Mine is definitely <laughs> not, but you know I'm American, so that's okay. Well, you've, you've I got a very you've got a very soft, laid back American accent. I like your accent. Yeah, you know what's funny? I think if you met me in person, you probably wouldn't say that. But I'll, I'll well, take I, that. 
Don't forget, I worked for three years in Boston, so I'm oh, used I do to know. Yeah. hard-edged American accents. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very, a bit different. Very uh, particular. Yep, that's exactly what that is. They're all like that. So A city full of JFK impersonators. <laughs> Basically. All right, gentlemen, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I, Dave, you've been on the show a few times. Jan, I've loved, I'd love to have you on again. Uh, By all means, for, it's been great fun. Awesome. So for me, Dave and Jan, thank you all for listening. I will talk to you soon. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.